such a great job. We got a whole crowd of them out there singing the anthem the other day, and they did such a great job. Not only we got some athletic kids, but the athletic ones can sing, and kind of a double whammy there. What a blessing they are in that. Let's take our Bibles out tonight. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since I have uh, picked up on the series we've been doing on the family or our family of faith here speaking directly to our church. I know a lot of times on Sunday nights, I have a lot more of our home folks that are here and uh, just trying to build a better body of believers here at Central Baptist Church. Uh, and I know we need that in the day and the age that we're living in. And we're going to read several verses as we did this morning. Sometimes we can get the context in just a few, but tonight we're going to need to read several. And so if you're there and you can, let's go ahead and stand, stretch our legs, pick up in verse 12, and we're going to read about 12 or 13 verses, uh, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, pick up in verse 12. The Bible says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it, not, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body." And the, the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Last verse, verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, that miracles and gifts of healings helps governments diversities of tongues. Well, there's a lot there. We're going to try to unravel some of it tonight. So let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. And I pray that you'd help us help ourselves tonight through your word. And Lord, we would take your word. Uh, we would hear it. We'd hide it within our hearts. We'd grow closer together through it. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless our church so we'd become more of who you'd have us to be and doing more of what you'd have us to do. Lord, through our obedience, I pray you bless the invitation tonight for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This uh, series has been doing just a simple series on Sunday nights uh, about the faith of our family, deals with how our relationships with one another help us accomplish the will of God uh, as the body of Christ, particularly here at Central as the body of believers. Uh, now our goal here, we've repeated it time and time again, but it's been a couple of weeks, so I want to make sure we cover that again, is that we have a family dynamic here. All right, rather than being relatives or acquaintances, we be truly a family of faith here at Central Baptist Church. 
I've tried to differentiate uh, between a family and relatives, uh, but when you think about it tonight, as far as an acquaintance is concerned, an acquaintance is a relationship that you can take it or leave it, correct? Uh, you know, you have a lot of acquaintances maybe out and about town, people you know that work at stores, and they're nice folks that you enjoy being around when you are around them, but other than that, that's just about the extent of the relationship. But when it comes to family, we are, we're here in the South, and we're very family-oriented, we're very close-knit relationships uh, in our personal families. Think about what you're willing to do for your family. Uh, I would dare say tonight, most of us probably have good family relationships, and uh, if you don't, you got to work on that, amen? Uh, but when it comes to family, oftentimes I think about, if it's my family, I'm willing to go farther for my family, Correct? Uh, we have a family need. Someone in your family uh, has a problem and we're willing to go above and beyond for them. Why? Because that's family. I think oftentimes with family, we're willing to live with more, aren't we? We might disagree with uh, some views, political views, uh, maybe sports teams, things along that line, and get together at Christmas. We set those things aside. Why? Because we're family. We want to have a great family relationship, and we all want to get along, and we're willing to do that. Why? Because we're family. Maybe there's differences in our life that we have and differences about people that we don't personally care for, but we're more readily to accept those things when we are truly a family. Uh, now, obviously, we read a lot of verses tonight speaking of the body of Christ, and we're going to look tonight at how that body operates together to fulfill the will of God. What a beautiful picture God gives us of how the body of Christ is supposed to operate. And so tonight, we're going to look at four very quick points. Uh, I don't know if you took up a special offering for it or not, but there's a brand new clock back there. Uh, there's one piece of equipment that's definitely going to be replaced around here. Uh, it's going to be the clock that tells me what time it is. And the last few services, it's just been fritzing out. And, man, I've just been venturing almost to an hour and a half, I guess, in some of those messages. But I can see it loud and clear. Thank you for whoever donated to buy that. Uh, and I'm going to give you four quick points tonight. Really not going to go real deep into these, but four important points out of this passage and the subject of the building of the body, the building of the body or the building of our body. Now, I want you to look down to verse number 12. We're going to start there tonight and then kind of skip through. There's no way we could cover all of these in context, uh, but I'll give you four things out of all of these verses we read, and let's begin in verse number 12. The Bible says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, boy, that's like a Dr. Seuss tongue twister, isn't it? You're looking down there and you see we're one, but we're many, and we're many members, but one, one body. And as you look at all together, you can see there's really two distinct definitions of the body of Christ. It says, for as the body is what? One, but hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. Now, here's what it's describing. The many members describes the mission. All right? We all have our own individual talents and gifts that God has allowed us to have to use in our service to Him. But as we look at this, the Bible says those many members come together to form one thing. Those many members come together to form one mission. That's the first thing I want you to see tonight that as we operate together as one, we see the cooperation of the body, the cooperation of the body of Christ. Now, you think about this. In the average vehicle riding the roads in America today, each vehicle has over 30,000 pieces. Brother Monroe can probably tell you each one of them by name. Uh, I, can, I know the wheels and the tires and the steering wheel, but man, once we get in there to rods and lifters, forget that. You don't want me working on your car. 
But there's 30,000 different pieces, 30,000 different members of that car, but they are all working together. They are cooperating together for one mission. What's the one mission? Transportation. That's what cars are for. I remember when I bought my PT Cruiser, okay? It was cool at one time in American history. Uh, and when I bought my Inferno Red PT Cruiser with 42 miles on it, the gentleman at McMullen Motors told me, hey, you need to take that, park it in your garage. It's going to be worth something one day. I said, sir, I cannot afford to buy a car not to drive it, all right? I'm buying this car to drive it. And man, was he wrong, right? You can get those things for a couple thousand bucks now, you know? Virtually just a glorified doom buggy is all they are anymore. But I bought that car to drive. And I got in that car and I began driving down Broadway. And oh, that had that new car smell. First thing that I did was go down to a store. My brother was riding with me. I said, let's go ahead and not even pretend like we're not going to eat or drink in the car. And so we got a drink and we got a snack cake or something like that. But that car, all of those pieces came together for a purpose. And the purpose of that car was transportation. But in order for that car to work, all of those individual pieces have to learn to cooperate together. Now, folks, here tonight as part of the body of Christ at Central Baptist Church, we are many members. We have all kind of different talents uh, and, and unique gifts that God has given us. And the wonderful thing is that God brings together a body for the purpose of cooperation. We may have different talents, but we all have the same purpose. And when we come together for that same purpose, oh, what a wonderful thing it is to see a church function as the body of Christ. Now think about this tonight. Our participation may be different. What you participate in may be drastically different than something I participate in. But even though our participation is different, guess what? Our purpose is the same. Isn't it a blessing that God lets us be a part of a church? Isn't it a blessing God brings a group of people together at a particular place, at a particular time, for a particular purpose, and that purpose is fulfilling the will of God where God has placed us. But we have to learn what the Bible says here in verse 12. That body is one and hath many members, but they have to learn to come together in cooperation. What did Paul say? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Notice the cooperation there. I didn't hear uh, Apollo saying, well, you know what? I, I wanted to be the planter, not the waterer. No, the Bible says, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Now, here's what's amazing. You watch Apollos and you watch Paul. They cooperated. God honored the cooperation of their effort, and God gave the increase. That's how God works through his church. When God's people cooperate on the purpose for which God placed us here, we see the increase that God desires to bring. Uh, just a few days ago, we had our, our annual staff meeting and uh, met, and we began talking about a, an outreach follow-up program we're going to do in the beginning of uh, 2023, if the Lord should tarry. If he doesn't, I'm not going to worry about it, to be honest with you. And you hear the Bible gives us the account of the lame man who was born of four. Remember him? He was carried, we're assuming, on some type of a blanket or some type of a litter like they would carry a wounded person off of the battlefield. The Bible says that he couldn't walk and he could not find his way uh, to Christ on his own, but thank God he had four friends. I think everybody needs at least four friends, amen? And one took one corner and one took the other corner. I'm assuming that's how it went down because there were four of them. And then when they got to the house, they couldn't come in because there was just standing room only. 
And all they went through the effort to climb up the roof and to take off the roof to lower the man that he might receive healing from Christ. He was born of four. Four people made it their personal responsibility to cooperate together in order to get that person to Christ. I think a church ought to have the same mindset. That, hey, I'm going to find my corner in the work of God. It may not be a fancy corner. Uh, My corner may not be playing the piano or singing. That's not mine. Thank God for that. You ought to thank God for that. That's not my corner. It may not be your corner. But you've got a corner of cooperation in the work of God. Our desire is this year that every person that visits our church will be born of four. What does that mean? That at least four of our people are going to make contact with that person. Not just the pastor, not just the staff, but four of our families are going to make contact with that visitor. Why? Because our goal is what? To bring people to Christ. Is that not why we're here? I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoy the singing. I enjoy the playing. I could sit back there tonight and just have a full service song service. But Zach, we ought to do that sometime. Just, have, just take requests off the floor. Amen? I was a song leader. I know how terrifying that is. Somebody calls out one that you have no clue what it is, and, and then, then you're there, and you feel like, man, I, I'm a failure because I don't know the song, but we're going to do that to Brother Zach. I think it's a good baptism by fire. Amen? I had to do it years ago, and we'll do it, we'll do it t- here before too terribly long, but... You know, your, your talent may not be somebody else's talent, but God's given us all something to cooperate with, to work together so that the one can become what? Many. Philippians 1.27, the Bible says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together. Can I tell you, sadly, uh, churches, specifically Baptists, and I hate to say this, but it's true, uh, oftentimes we are known for striving against Rather than striving together. I'm guilty too, okay? I've done it before. But the truth of the matter is, if we put as much energy to strive together for the faith of the gospel, we'd see more people come to Christ, more lives change, and families are part of a Bible-preaching church. But what do we have to learn? Number one, we have to learn the cooperation of the body. I think I've told you this before, and I was going to show it to you, but I forgot to download the picture. I read a comic years ago with Linus and Lucy, and, uh, you know, Lucy was just a little bit... you know, and how she wanted things done. Uh, and Lucy was always trying to get Linus to do what she wanted. She was always telling him what to do. I don't know who was older, but she acted like the older sister. And he says, well, what if I decide not to? She says, you see these? She held up her hand and she says, by themselves, they're not much to look at. But boy, when I bring them together, there's something to behold. And all of a sudden, she walks off and Linus looks down at my hand. He says, why can't you guys do that? Why can't you come together to get something done and to accomplish something? You know, sometimes I wonder if the Lord doesn't look down and think that about his church. Hey, why can't we come together and get something done? Why can't we strive together for the faith of the gospel? I know we have differences. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But in the end, what's more important than the faith of the gospel? What's more important than coming together to cooperate, to bring people to Christ? I don't know of any greater responsibility on earth. Our first responders were here. Oh, what a, what a tough job they have. Uh, firemen, policemen, our veterans were here. Oh, what a great responsibility they have to go out. And they put their life on the line. But can I tell you, the duty of the church, learning to cooperate, many as one, cooperating to see folks saved, I know of no greater responsibility. Number one tonight, I believe cooperation is God's intention for his commission. It's God's intention for his commission. I was reading just today in Nehemiah. And boy, you read it how those people did what they did. 
You know, it was not necessarily building a church. It wasn't a, an outreach program. They were rebuilding a wall. Go read Nehemiah. Go read the book. Read all the names that were there. You know, you had some people, the Bible says, bearing burdens. You had some people standing guard. You know, you had some people making sure they had all that they needed. And they gave all the names of this guy replacing this block and this guy replacing this block. You know what they were doing? They were cooperating. They were cooperating. Why? Because they had a goal. And in 52 days, they did the unthinkable. They fulfilled what God had placed them there to do through, number one, cooperation of the body. If we're going to build a body of believers here that fulfills the will of God, there's got to be cooperation. The many members, verse 12, come together as one. Now, let's look down to the next thing. Look down to verse 18, if you will. The Bible says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased them. Now, here's what's interesting. We begin wondering, okay, how do we know who does what and what does what? And how do we know what to accomplish? Well, verse 18 shows us the second thing we need to see tonight. That's the construction of the body. Notice the Bible says, but God, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. While I was studying this out, I couldn't remember my biology class from high school, so I had to go Google it to be sure. And in the human body, there are altogether 78 necessary organs, if you will. 78. Five of them are for survival. And I think about how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. That all of those pieces that God put together, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we accomplish so much purpose when all of those pieces are fulfilling the place that God put them. You see, the Bible says God set them there. You know, I'm thankful that I, God didn't ask my opinion on constructing the human body. I probably would have put the nose upside down. We're walking down the street and we drown as soon as it started raining. Man, God had it all figured out. I walked in my house the other day, and Leslie had one of those candle things going, the uh, wax smells going in our house, and it was the smells of fall. Uh, and I, I told somebody the other day, I says, it doesn't taste as good as it smells, all right? Be careful with that, that wax. It'll burn your tongue. Uh, but you walk into the house and you smell a little bit of apple, maybe some cinnamon in there and some gingerbread. I don't know what all that, that was in there. But it was amazing. And I thought to myself, my brain stores smells. Does that not blow your mind? Maybe you're more intelligent than I am, but I think that's amazing. That somehow my brain remembers a smell. How does that work? I don't know. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't it wonderful the way that all those pieces work together? Do you know why they work so well? Because God set them there. God set them there. Got two feet here. I mean, I've got, uh, I've got ten fingers here. I mean, I've got spares if we put one in a saw. <laughs> I mean, isn't that great? God even gave us spares. And we, we look at something we want to pick up and our eyes tell our brain to go get it and, and then our brain tells our hand to go get it and we pick it up and we think about that. We don't even think about doing that. And yet we do all of those things seamlessly. Why? Because God set the members of our body as it hath pleased him. Now can I tell you something tonight? As fearfully and wonderfully made as this body is, I believe this one is even greater. I believe this body is even greater. That God would pull together a group of people of various backgrounds, experiences, intelligences, social status, and God could bring all of that together as a body, that God could do that, and we work together to fulfill his will. Oh, what an amazing construction that God has wrought in building of his church. Here's the wonderful thing. I don't have to worry about what my job is. 
You don't either. Why? Because the Bible says God set the members. God set the members. Now, this is important. It says, as it has pleased him. As it has pleased him. What does that mean? That means how I get to serve God is up to God. And I should get to the place in my life where I am yielded to serve God as it pleases him. I want to tell you, that's a tall order right there. To get to the place in my spiritual walk where I am content serving in the place where God has set me. And that I'm going to serve and fulfill his will, whatever it is. I told the staff the other day in their meeting, uh, my first ministry opportunity that I had, I was 19 years old. I was the children's minister at Trinity Baptist Church. And uh, I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. I got paid $150 a week uh, to work with kids, lead the youth choir. I thought that was the most amazing thing in the world, that I got to serve God and I got paid to do it. I thought, man, this is just great. And then I went from a children's minister to a youth pastor and then an assistant pastor and then a pastor. And then later, God called me from the pastorate to become a church member. Can I tell you, that was a hard thing for me to do. I said, wait a minute, God, you, you called me from the pastor to become a church member? I went back, led singing at my dad's church. And boy, I learned what contentment was all about. Learning to be content with what God has, watch this, set me to do. Because whatever God set me to do, if God called me to be the garbage man, I've done that, but if God called me to be a garbage man, hey, I want to be content serving in what God has set me to do. Why? Because that's what pleases him. Isn't that why we're here? Is that why we're here? That I am here to please Almighty God. I wish you smiled more. I tell you that all the time. Sometimes I feel like it's just going flat and I go home all in depression and my wife has to pick me up because you don't smile as much as I wish you could. But you know what? Whether you smile or not, that's not why I'm here. Whether or not you amen or not, whether or not you nod your head or not, hey, whether or not you shake my hand and mean it when you say, hey, that went well, hey, that's not why I'm here. I am here to please the one who's called me to be a soldier. That's what Paul told Timothy. And when we get to the place where we are yielded in our walk with God to serve him where he set us, oh, good things are about to happen. Good things will happen when we get to the place where we serve where God has set us. Now, that's one of the hardest things in the world to do. Let me tell you how far Paul took it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness... As always, so now also Christ, watch this, shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul says, I, I want to please God so much, I want to please him whether it be by my life or by my death. Can I tell you, that's the ultimate yielding right there. That I want to please God in the position that he has me, in the place that he has me, whether it be by my life or by my death. I, I talk to the Lord a lot and uh, other day I was on an airplane and man, it got bumpy. It got bumpy. And that's where my faith grows when the flight gets bumpy. It really grows. It was so bumpy they didn't even serve us Coke. So I'm thinking, at least give us a last meal, you know, if we're going down. Give us some crackers or pretzels or something before we crash. And then we're getting bumpy there and getting bumpy there. And I'm thinking, well, all right, if I died now, you know, what would the story be? You know, some of you I'm sure would talk, yeah, I knew God killed him. God just killed him. Some of you, good friends, you'd say maybe, you know, he died as a martyr, went off to preach somewhere, and he's on his way back from preaching and died serving God. Amen. I hope that would be the narrative, but, you know, you're free to say whatever you want. Boy, I'm thinking, God, I think I'm worth more to you alive than dead. Surely, surely, God, I, I don't want to die. I don't want you to take my life. 
We saw just the other day on a mission field, missionary gave his life for the cause of Christ over in the Middle East. Man, he glorified God. I'm reading some of the messages that he posted long before he ever thought he was going to leave this world. God is being glorified. Can I tell you, Central Baptist Church will be used of God far beyond we ever thought God could use us here. We all come to the place where we realize I'm going to fulfill God's will in my life best when I serve where he has set me and I'm content with pleasing him. That's the construction of the body. Let God put all of that together. Sometimes we try to rate our value based on our prestige. Well, if I have more prestige and more people know who I am and I have a bigger job and a title and all these things, that, that's my value. No, our prestige does not determine our value. Our purpose does. It's our purpose. What is my purpose? Uh, my wife and I were talking about um, different people in the Bible that you don't read about very much. that uh, doesn't have many chapters talking about them, about how they fulfilled their purpose in their place in their time, like the little maid with Naaman. Don't even know her name. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to know that girl. Why? Man, she fulfilled her place in the place that God had set her. I pray tonight we allow God to construct our body here at Central Baptist Church. And then let's look down at verse 25. The clock is glaring at me. It might mysteriously and maliciously break again this week. Who knows? Strange things have been happening. Verse 25. The Bible says that there be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now, here's what's amazing. We see, number one, the cooperation of the body. That deals with what we need to do. We see the construction of the body. That deals with what we need to do. And then he gives us a warning for the third thing we're seeing tonight. And he warns us that there be no schism in the body. What is a schism? And that a word we use a lot. A, a schism simply means a rend or a tear. The third thing to see tonight is the concern of the body. The concern of the body. You know, when we get sick physically, uh, we probably within a few days go to the doctor, I would say so, or at least take some medicine. Uh, I know I do. The older I get, the more I, I take uh, some medicine. I carry around some Tums in my pocket uh, now just because I'm noticing that, ooh, those Mexican restaurants kind of get me right in here. And I'll carry some of those in one pocket. And then uh, over here, I'll carry some aspirin or something in this pocket. And we look after this body, don't we? We get sick, we go to the doctor. Uh, we get a pain, we go to the doctor. Hey, can you tell me what's going on? We want to look after it. Why? Because we want to function happily and healthily as long as we can. But sometimes I believe we neglect this body. We neglect this body to make sure there's no rends or tears, that we're not as concerned about this body. Look, we're all just as guilty at times, but I believe if we're going to fulfill God's will as a family of faith at Central Baptist Church, We've got to be concerned about the body, that there be no schisms, no rends or tears. I'll give you an example. I, uh, the Lord uh, usually uses food in my mind to help me understand something. And uh, maybe you have the same problem too. Uh, I was opening up a pack of uh, pistachios. Was that less? Wherever she's at. Pistachios. I've learned to like those. Uh, they always looked nasty, you know, kind of green looking like they were moldy. And I've learned to like them. And uh, I was in the office of the day, and I was getting ready to open the pistachios, and I noticed at the top of the wrapper, there were these little zigzag things that are there. You ever seen those? All right, I hope so, because it's going to make sense if you don't. And you know, those zigzags there, you grab that, and there's a little tear right at the top. And you grab that tear, and then you pull on it, 
And then usually you pull on it too hard and all the pistachios go on the floor. Does that happen to you too? Okay, good. Glad I'm not the only one. You start tearing it and it starts. But they put that little perforation there. They put that little tear there. And that little tear there, it has a purpose. That tear, that small tear, its purpose is that it become a bigger tear. That as soon as you begin tugging on that little tear, suddenly it becomes a big tear. And the next thing you know, it is rent. It is divided. It is separated. This is the warning that we have for the body of Christ, that there be no schism or division or a rend or tear in the body. Now, folks, I want you to understand, I've mentioned this so many times as we've gone through this series on Sunday night, this should be a grave concern of any church, that that's how Satan would desire to conquer, what is the phrase, divide and conquer. It's a real military tactic. You'll find it in Joshua. That you go down the middle and you divide the city in half to circle back. And now you have cut the strength in half. You've cut the resistance in half. All through division. That's why we've got to have care and concern that there be no little tears. Little tears. I told the Sunday school class this morning, I hated to admit it, uh, but uh, it was the truth. That uh, the other day I was pulling out of a bank in West Hattiesburg. And uh, it was the day after the election, and I had my phone out while we were at the drive through and I was looking at the election results and seeing if we had settled any of the races yet. And, uh, and so the lady gave me my stuff back. I said, thank you. And I was still reading the article and went ahead and pulled out and pulled onto the highway as I read. My wife so nicely and kindly encouraged me to put my phone down. And all of a sudden, pride begins to well up on the inside, you know, and I looked at her, and I told the Sunday class, I said, yeah, that's why we get in so many wrecks. Was that just horrible? No, we've not been in wrecks by the grace of God. I said, I looked to the left, and I looked to the right, and before long, we had both gone into silent mode. I mean, we went into silent mode for probably 30 minutes. I told the class, I got back to the office, and I opened up my Bible there, and I'm studying a little bit, and the Holy Spirit's like, really? Really? You just went into silent mode and locked your wife out, you know, and not talking all of this. And after a while, I called her back to my office. I, I'm sorry about that. It's amazing how just a little small thing, I knew that I was wrong. I just didn't like it being pointed out, okay? I'm a man, and I'm full of pride. And it was hard for me to say, you're right. I don't need to be reading Fox News while we're driving. But, man, it took a while. It was amazing, just a little bitty thing. Kept tugging at it, tugging at it, tugging at it. And boy, after a while, the whole thing had ripped open. Now, folks, this is what the Bible warns us about. It says there be no schisms in the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, uh, the Bible says, verse 10. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How do you do that? It's about focus. It's about focus, our focus of what God's called us here to do. It goes on to say this, for it hath been declared unto me uh, of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. What happens? We find those little tears. I remember when Miley was small and she'd be wearing a sweater or something. We'd be outside walking through the woods. She'd go hunting with me and she'd snag her sweater on a limb. You know, and you have those little pulls. And what is the temptation? You want to pull on it some more. Or if it's like me and I learned not to do that, you don't just cut them off. You know, that, that doesn't turn out well either. But you see that little pull and you want to just pull it. It's just calling to be picked at. That's what the devil does with our hearts and minds. We see little pulls. We see little tears. And it's just hard to resist at times. And that's what creates 
schisms. The Bible says we be of the same mind. We speak the same thing. No divisions among us. Perfectly joined together in the same judgment. That's the concern of the body. I believe tonight if we were concerned for this body as we are our body, you'd be amazed at what we could do together. We'd be amazed at what we could accomplish together if we were concerned about the fitness of this body that God's called us to. Turn me real quick back to your left, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I want to show you something. I'll give you the last point. You still aren't smiling, but we're working through it. So I'll take the fact that you're not asleep. Acts chapter 2, look down, if you will, to verse 41. Look at this early church. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Notice these things that are being said about these people. The Bible says they continued in one accord, in breaking of bread and prayers. The Bible says, verse 43, many fears, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All of these things, and you see the common denominator. The Bible says, verse 44, they were together and had all things common. That should be our concern tonight. Our, our concern should be that our, our unity of our church for the purpose of God's commission would be worth whatever it takes for us to make sure that we have no schisms or division in the body. Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I love the fact that our Lord gave us that word endeavoring there. It's an endeavor to keep unity. It's an endeavor to keep unity. It's an effort. Uh, it, it, look, it is an expedition that you have to go on to cognitively be aware that I've got to keep the unity of the spirit. How? In the bond of peace. So that's a concern of the body. If you'll go back real quick, I'll give you one more. Verse 26. I want to show you how to tie all of this together and how that we take care of that body. The Bible says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Notice he shows us how, the fourth thing tonight, he shows us the care of the body. The care of the body. That when one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Now you think about it tonight, we're not going to go back and read all the verses, verse 13 down through about verse number 19, that you know, the eye says it doesn't need the head and the hand doesn't say that it needs the foot. No, they are one. There are many, but they're one. And, you know, my hands need my eyes. My feet need my eyes. If my eyes don't work, my feet are not going to know where to go. They need each other. Tonight, folks, if we get to the place where we learn to biblically care for one another, you say, how do you care? Well, when one hurts, we all hurt. When one is honored, we all rejoice with it. One of the things we taught our kids on Wednesday night when I was a children's minister, my wife and I was working at my dad's church, and we give out a prize every Wednesday night in our class. Every Wednesday night. It's kind of like a quiet seat prize. We pick one kid out. And we taught them this rule that whoever won the prize, that you cheer for them. You cheer for them. And, and in turn, a lot of times I would have Tootsie Rolls or something, and I would throw it to the kids who rejoiced with the guy that won the prize. Why? That goes against our nature. Because I got so tired of giving a prize out to this one kid, and the other one's, oh, man. They weren't rejoicing with the one that was rejoicing. 
Uh, they were regretting the one that was rejoicing. And the Bible says when one's honored that we all rejoice with it. What does that do? That's the care that God would have us have for one another. Philippians 2.4. We've quoted this so many times through this on Sunday nights. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Isn't that hard? To not focus on myself and what I want and I desire, but to focus on what you want. That's hard. That doesn't come natural, but it does come supernatural. That after we are born again, we have a new nature, like the nature of our Father, who for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. And that's the care God would have us to have one for another. That agape love, that unconditional love where I'm willing to sacrifice on your behalf. That's the care verse 26 is talking about. Ephesians 4.32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Tonight, God wants us to learn to care. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it is hard. I know. I know. It is hard. Why? Because we live in a flesh body that cares about one thing, and that's ourself. All right? But if we only care about ourselves, we're going to neglect the other members that make up the one body. So tonight, I believe God's building a body here. I'm thankful for what God's doing. But it begins with, number one, the cooperation of the body. Let's make sure the, all the many come together as one. Number two, the construction of the body. Let's learn to yield where God has set us. Number three, or number three, the concern of the body. That's where we learn that there be no schisms, that we be careful with the little tears. And then number four, the care of the body. I believe God wants to build something great that accomplishes great things for him, but we play a crucial part in that, making sure we are who God would have us to be, doing what God would have us to do the way God would have us to do it. Heads are bowed tonight. Eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Let's go ahead and stand together tonight. No one's looking around. Tonight, by way of invitation, what a wonderful opportunity.